Happy Easter and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is Roel and I will be your online host today. If this is your first time visiting us here at Thrive Church Online, then welcome. Be sure to also text me to 604-285-5770. So we have a Thrive water bottle we can't wait to mail to you today. Parents, don't forget to visit mythrive.info online so you can download today's kids activities and they can experience Thrive Church Online as well. All right, it's almost time for today's special message. So type ready for Easter in the chat box. All right, let me see. Ready, ready, ready. There we go, here we go. You guys are ready and awesome. All right, so last request. Share a selfie of yourself watching from home and share it on your social media with the hashtag Thrive Church Online so we can see how you're experiencing Thrive Church Online today. Now, grab your coffee and your Bible and the best spot on the couch and let's get ready for today's Easter message, Hope for Hard Time. everybody and welcome to Easter at Thrive Church. My name is JB. This is my lovely wife Charlene. We're pastors here at Thrive. It gives us great pleasure on behalf of all of us here at Thrive to welcome you to our Easter service today. And if this is your first time here, then we want to especially welcome you because you are our VIP. And if I could actually, actually just ask you to take a moment to type the word new and send a text message to 604-285-5770. We have a very special gift reserved for you. It's a Thrive branded stainless steel water bottle that we want to give to you to thank you for joining us today. That's right. If you are a first-time guest here, you are VIP and a massive welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us online today. In fact, we have a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do. Welcoming is who we are. And so if you're watching online today, if you've got a chat room that you could use, could you just go into that chat room right now? And would you type something to welcome everyone else in that chat room that's watching alongside you today? Would you just type something like, you know, welcome everybody. Great to see you, everybody. Good to be with you, everybody. Welcome our first-time guests, our VIPs today. Day. Let's welcome each other online. And if you are sitting next to someone and you don't need to be physically distant from them, then feel free to give them a high five, give them a hug, and let's just be really welcoming to one another at Thrive Easter today. That's right. In case you're wondering what a hug looks like, in case you, 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 you this, this is what it looks like, right? That. There you go. There you go. Welcome to Thrive Church. Well, it is so amazing to have all of you here today. We know that in this COVID-19 season where we can't all meet in person, never would have you expected that we would do an Easter service exclusively online, but we 
we are so glad and so thankful that we can at least celebrate Easter together. We're going to make the most out of the season together. And what I want to let you know is we're not just thrilled to have you here today, but we want to invite you to come back next week for something very, very special. Because next week on Sunday, April 19, as we get ready to worship together once again as a church, we're going to be starting a brand new series here at Thrive. It is called Exodus hope for hard times. If you're here and you are wondering how you can understand the Bible better, get deeper in your understanding of what the Bible says, better understanding of how the Bible relates to your life, especially the book of Exodus, a famous book, sometimes a hard to understand book. How does it relate to my life and how do I find hope in hard times through the Bible? I think you're really going to enjoy this series. And so we invite you to come back next week on Sunday, April 19th to join us for one of our online services as we begin this brand new series called Exodus, Hope for Hard Times. That's next week. But let's talk about today. Let's talk about right now. Because the fact is this, we know that in this COVID-19 season, it is a stressful and a challenging time for many people. And I know that I probably am not alone when I say that I can probably use a good laugh. Could you use a good laugh today? Here on Easter Sunday Church, could you use a good laugh? If you could, then, well, I want to let you know this next number is for you. Uh, I don't know if it's going to make you laugh. I hope it makes you laugh. I hope it doesn't make you cry or cringe or something else. But we at Thrive like to do a, a special musical performance as part of our Easter service usually. And because of all the physical distancing that we've had to do, it's meant that we've had to be more creative in what we do. It's a bit harder to do it, but we didn't want to let that stop us. And so the Thrive Church staff decide to form a choir. And I want to introduce for the very first time, this is their world debut. This is the Thrive Church Staff Choir singing using Zoom technology, a very famous song from the classic film, The Sound of Music. Using Zoom technology, would you please welcome the Thrive Church Staff Choir as they sing the song from The Sound of Music, The Hills Are Alive. Okay, just in case you weren't sure, that was not serious, all right? That was supposed to make you laugh. You're allowed to laugh at that. In fact, I hope it makes you laugh. Aren't you glad that wasn't serious? Aren't you glad we don't really have a Thrive Church staff choir? Some of you are crying right now, but the fact is this. As part of this special number, we had asked our staff to dress up the best they could as the lead character in this film, The Sound of Music. Her name, of course, is Fräulein Maria, made famous by the great Julie Andrews. And some of them did a pretty good job. Let me just show you some of our staff and the costumes that they wore. First, we've got Carissa. Carissa, she's part of our event planning team, and she certainly dressed the part. Uh, the funny thing I find with Carissa, though, is that she's singing The Hills Are Alive in the middle of her driveway. And in fact, you can see her car or one, some, somebody's car in the background there. Uh, I, I really wonder what her neighbors were thinking when she was doing that. Uh, here's another person who's Victoria. Victoria, she's also a member of our event planning staff. And notice once again, she's, I think, in her backyard. There's no hills to be seen. 
but she's pointing to a, tr a tree. It's almost like she's saying, oh, the tree is alive, right? There we go. Uh, and then another one is Ryan. Ryan is our media specialist, and he's looking very committed to whatever he's singing in that moment. I'm not sure what's on his head. I don't know if I want to know. Uh, another one is others of us, we, uh, you know, we opted for not Fräulein Maria frolic in, frolicking in the hills, that look. We went for another look, which is her formal nun look in the abbey. Uh, and so here's Comey from our finance team, who seems to have really gotten that look down. Very nice. Then there's our admin assistant and Thrive Kids coordinator, Amy. And she is obviously really owning the role of Fräulein Maria right there. Uh, then there's Tina. She's our Thrive Learning Center instructor. You know, one day if our church ever produces a worship album called Songs from Ancient Israel, I think this could be the album cover for that album. Uh, there's Pastor Charlene. You just saw her moments ago, but this is her rendition of Fräulein Maria. Man, I, I think I'm falling in love with Pastor Charlene just by looking at that somewhat strange picture of my wife right there. Um, then there's me. There's me. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I think if I had to really be kind of transparent with you, I, I think I look a lot less like Fräulein Maria and uh, a lot more like the Emperor from Star Wars, don't you think? Right? Don't, don't, and in fact, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, join the dark side of the force. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, I, I don't know if you, but that picture is actually me before I put on my makeup, before I get on the stage here. So thank God for cosmetics. Thank God for Estee Lauder and Mac and all, all those things. Uh, but th the thing is this, is the reason why we want to show all this to you is because we know that in this COVID-19 season, it can be stressful. It can be challenging for many of us. And sometimes what we need is a good laugh. If you believe that, say amen. And in fact, Proverbs 7, 20, 17, 22 in the Bible says this. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine. And so if you get stressed this coming week, can I give you a suggestion? If you get stressed this coming week, just, just think about your Thrive Church staff, how they dress up like Fräulein Maria. They're singing, the hills are alive. And hopefully that is some good medicine for you right there to make you laugh, hopefully not make you cry, hopefully make, not, not make you vomit. Um, but that is our presentation for you on Easter. Do you guys enjoy that presentation? I hope you do. You can say so in our chat room. But here's the thing. I'm not just here to bring you some comic relief today on Easter Sunday. I'm here to bring you a message that I hope is going to bring encouragement to you on this very special day and in this very unprecedented season. And if you would join me today, uh, this is something that we do every single Sunday here at Thrive. If you're new here to Thrive, again, we are so thrilled to have you here. You are our VIP here today. This is just a fun way that we do to get our hearts ready for the message. And so if you wouldn't mind doing this with me right now, would you mind getting your Bibles if you have one? Why don't you hold up your like so? And we're just going to make this proclamation together in faith as a way to get our hearts ready for the message today. Would you say this with me out loud together? Let's say it together right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you could please turn to, flip to, scroll to the book of Romans. Romans is in your New Testament. And we want to ask you to look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 today. Maybe you're scrolling to that, flipping to that. By the way, if you're new here to Thrive and you're new here to this Christianity thing, you're not, you know, you don't come from a Christian background. You don't consider yourself a Christian. You're just exploring. Maybe the only reason why you're even watching the service right now is because your wife made you sit beside her as she's watching the service. The fact is we are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope that you're going to find that Thrive is a safe place for you, where you can just be yourself, where you can, you know, explore some of the questions that you're asking. And if you're here and you've got questions like, you know, how do I even know there's a God? 
Or how can I really trust the Bible? How do I know it's trustworthy? Or, or how can there be a loving God when there's so much going on in the world like COVID-19? Then I want to encourage you to check out something that we made available. It's all for free. It's on our Thrive website at mythrive.info. You can go to the series that we've done called Overcome My Unbelief. And in this series called Overcome My Unbelief, you go to mythrive.info, there's an Overcome My Unbelief button there. If you just press that, you're going to find a whole series of messages where we try to tackle some of the biggest questions people have about the Christian faith. In some cases, some of the biggest objections or some of the biggest criticisms people make about the Christian faith. And we hope that if you've got questions like that, that it will be of help to you. And so make sure you check out that series and hope that we find that helpful. Today, I'm here to share with you a message about hope. And especially in a season like this, which can be stressful and challenging for many people, I think we can all use some hope. They say that you can last three days without water, you can last 40 days without food, but it's really tough to last even a day without hope. And that's why I'm here to bring you a message to you today on Easter Sunday that's called Finding Hope in Hard Times. Finding Hope in Hard Times. Would you please read with me Romans chapter 15, verse 4 together. It's on the screen. Why don't you read it with me in a big, loud voice today. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. See, contrary to what many people think, the Bible is not simply a rule book of do's and don'ts, more than a book full of stories that have nothing to do with us. Actually, the Bible was given to us for our encouragement so that we might have hope. Romans 15, 13 says it this way. Read it with me. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. See, what is it saying? It's saying that God is a God of hope. He specializes in giving hope to the hopeless. He is a God who made us to have a relationship with him where as a result of that relationship, we overflow with hope in our lives, no matter what situation we might be facing today. And so since God is a God of hope, since we were made to overflow with hope, and since the Bible was given to us so that we might have hope, Today, I want to share with you one of the most hope-filled verses that you can find in the Bible. And I believe this, is that if there's one thing that God would have you know on a day like today, Easter Sunday, it is this verse we're going to look at together today from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Would you read it with me in a big, loud voice together right now? One, two, three, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, happens to be one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's one of the most often quoted verses in the Bible. You'll find it on posters, you'll find it on mugs, you'll find it on tacky looking t-shirts, you'll find it on the background of people's cell phones and people's computer desktops. And as popular as this verse is, you're gonna find that a lot of people actually don't know where this verse comes from or the background behind this verse. And here it goes, is that about 2,400 years ago, there was a prophet called Jeremiah who wrote down this verse for the nation of Israel when Israel was going through its worst national crisis in its history. And back in about 597 BC, after years of hearing about these, this, this nation called the Babylonians and how they were going to different nations and conquering them and that they might possibly one day come and conquer the nation of Israel, one day in 597 BC, the 
Babylonians actually take over the land of Israel. And to make a very long story short, the Babylonians end up deporting about 95% of the people living in Israel. They take the Israelites out of Israel, out of their homeland, and they bring them back to Babylon with them as exiles, as captives. All of a sudden, the life that the Israelites knew was gone. They had to adjust to a new environment, a new normal. They were living with such a great deal of stress and uncertainty and anxiety and anger and frustration over everything that was going on. And the worst part is that they didn't know when it was going to end. They had no idea when this crisis would be over and when they could go back to living their normal lives again. And it is in this context that through a prophet called Jeremiah, God speaks to his people and he says these words that are on the screen right now. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What does a hope and a future mean? It means a future with hope. And see, because God is in the business of giving hope, God didn't just say these words and walk away. In fact, if you read the verses leading up to Jeremiah 29, 11, you're going to find that God tells the Israelites to do three things to help them find hope in one of the worst times of their lives. And I'm going to put it to you today. If you would take this message to heart this, this day, if you would do the same three things that God tells the Israelites to do in this passage we're talking about today, I believe it's going to help you find hope in this challenging season of life. And so would you join me in looking today at three keys to finding hope in hard times? Number one, key number one is, write this down, take some good notes today. Despite the hard times, choose an attitude of gratitude. Realize that life is still worth living today. See, would you turn to your online neighbor in your chat room or maybe your, your neighbor that you're sitting beside and would you give them an air high five and say, choose an attitude of gratitude. Tell them that right now. Choose an attitude of gratitude. See, in a time when the Israelites were experiencing great stress, worry, hopelessness like they'd never known before about their future, this is what God says to the Israelites in verse 4 of Jeremiah 29. Read it with me. What does it say? It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. See, what's God saying? He's saying, don't allow these hard times to keep you from living life. See, here's a question for you, and I don't mean to make light of our COVID-19 situation because there are many people all around the world who are dealing with some very serious issues right now. But just for fun, can I just ask you, when you look at your life today, when you look back at the old life you once had before COVID-19 affected so much, is there a little luxury that you can't have today that you used to have routinely, but you can't have it today because of COVID-19? Is there one? You know, maybe it's that you just miss sitting in a restaurant and actually eating in the restaurant. Or, or maybe it's one of the things where you just miss going to the movie theater with your friends, or, or maybe you miss actually going to Starbucks and being able to sit at Starbucks and drink your coffee. You know, can, can I tell you what I miss? Can I be really transparent with you guys today? What I miss is this. Is I miss a bunch of things, but my number one, my number one, one thing I miss right now, I miss getting a haircut. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I used to get my hair cut once a month. And to me, my hair is such that on the back and on the sides, if I can bend my hair, it's too long. 
That's, that's just me. It's just the way I feel. I just don't like the feeling of having long hair, especially on the back and on the sides. And so, man, do I miss my hairdresser right now? I miss my $8 haircuts. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and if, so my, my hairdresser, Rin Tai Tai, if you're listening to this, I miss you so much. I can't wait to see you again. I can't wait to see you. But here's the thing is that, in fact, my brother-in-law, knowing how much I miss haircuts, he actually helped me to purchase my own self-haircutting kit. It's coming from Amazon in a few days. I'm excited. And this is the thing. I don't want to cut my own hair, but I'm so desperate right now that don't be surprised if next week you see me on this stage with the worst-looking haircut you've ever seen because I'm just so desperate for a haircut right now. How about you? Is there something that you miss? something that you're just trying to adjust to right now. See, whatever it is that you miss, can we all just do this together right now? Can, can we just for fun, can we just all let out a collective first world problem sigh together? Can we do that right now? I'm count to three. And whether you're in, maybe you're in a chat room and maybe you can use a sigh emoji or just write S-I-G-H-H-H-H-H-H-H and just whatever it may be. Just let's do this on the count of three. Just do a collective first world problem sigh together. Ready, ready, everyone? Okay, ready? Okay, one, two, three. <sighs> One more time. One, two, three. <sighs> oh, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. You know, and th- this is the thing. It's normal. It's natural. In some ways, it's even healthy to miss the things that we're used to and can't have right now. But let me tell you this. It's not healthy to keep dwelling on it. And I know that from experience. See, this year, my wife, Charlene, and I, we are celebrating our 17th year anniversary. That's right, 17 years. We got married when we were eight years old. That's right. That's how we do things here at Thrive Church. We're totally into child marriage. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. We got married 17 years ago, but both of us were a little bit older than eight. My my son just turned eight years old. I can't imagine him getting married right now. The, The fact is this, is, you know, when we got married 17 years ago, we made a decision together. It was the biggest decision we'd ever made as a couple together. And that was that we were gonna move from Vancouver, which is where I grew up and where Charlene had in many ways grown up as well. And we're gonna move to Taiwan, across the ocean to Asia, in Taiwan, where Charlene's parents were. And we thought, you know, we'll maybe spend nine months to a year there, and, you know, it'd be a chance for me to learn the language, it'd be a chance for us to spend time with the family, you know, we've never been as mobile as we've ever been, we didn't have kids at the time, so we thought, you know what, we've got the freedom to do this, let's just do it for a year, maybe. And at first, it was this big, exciting adventure. But I found soon into my first few weeks in Taiwan that this was not the adventure that I was bargaining for. And in fact, I started to realize that, man, this is actually going to be pretty tough. I remember my first time going to Taiwan. I didn't go to a Chinese school. You know, I, I didn't, I, here in Vancouver, I, I never learned Chinese. I didn't speak Chinese. I just spoke English at home and, and elsewhere. And so I, I would go to a local university in Taiwan. I'd do my best to learn Mandarin with all these other foreigners in Taiwan. And I remember there was one day when I finally had the courage to go and order breakfast for myself at the, the breakfast stand at the bottom of the apartment building where we lived. And I remember, you know, I, I brought my textbook with me. I go up to the counter and I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to say what I need to say. And, and, and the, the, the boss lady behind the counter, she, she calls me up and, 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 and I, I say uh, in my best broken manner, I'm like, and, and she's like, huh? Uh, which means I want to eat dumplings. And then she said something back in reply that I didn't understand. She said, and I was like, I've never heard that before. What does that mean? Like, uh, I, I, what, is, what does that mean? And so I, I figured, I just assumed that she meant, you know, how many dumplings do I want to eat? So I started to count on, you know, two hands how many I could eat. And so I was like, uh, 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 12, sure, 12, sure. And she looked at me with a very strange look on her face. And she went back to the kitchen 
And that day, I didn't go home with 12 dumplings. I went home that day with 144 dumplings. And the reason is because she wasn't asking me how many dumplings I want to eat. She was asking me how many portions of dumplings did I want. And that was a huge breakfast. I never went back to that breakfast place. And, and see, not, 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 another thing was, you know, not only was it tough to order my own food, I was sick all the time. For some reason, you know, here in Vancouver, I'm, I'm usually really healthy. But when I got to Taiwan, my body never adjusted to whatever it was in Taiwan that was making me sick. And so I'd find that so often I'd be sneezing myself awake in the morning. And all throughout the day, I'd be blowing my nose. I'd be coughing. I'd be sneezing. You know, whenever I go to the doctor, I, I'd show him all the tissues in my pocket. And I know it doesn't snow in Taiwan, but it was like a snowing in his office because there's just so much tissue kind of coming out of my jacket. And, and, and he's like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you just, why are you still sick? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. And, and, you know, I remember, you know, it, was, it wasn't just I got sick, but, you know, I, I'd, go, I'd go to work at this law firm in Taiwan. And, you know, I remember I got my very first paycheck for the first month of work. And I looked at the paycheck. And I'm like, $40,000? Yes! And then I thought to myself again, actually, that's not $40,000 Canadian. That's $40,000 new Taiwanese dollars. And I'm like, No! What? And, and this is the thing. After a while, I'm like, you know what? I could be making so much more money in Vancouver. I'm not, I wouldn't be sick in Vancouver. I can understand the language in Vancouver. Why can't we just go back there now? I was so unhappy for a season because I just kept on dwelling on all the things that I was missing out on, all the things that I didn't have. And to me, life in Taiwan went from being an adventure at the beginning to becoming a bit of a prison sentence where every day I'm just counting down the days until I could get out. And I'd be, you know, oh, if only I was back in Vancouver. Oh, I'd want to be in Vancouver again. And, you know, for me, you know what the turning point was? Because I was miserable during that time. You know what the turning point was? The turning point for me was one day I'm sitting in church and I'm listening to a pastor who's giving a message. And he said one thing that was so simple, but I've, I, I've never forgotten. He said, every day, find one thing to be thankful for. Every day, find one thing to be thankful for. And, and see, when, when I, I said, you know, I've, I've got nothing to lose. I might as well try that. And so I remember the next morning, I get up, I sneeze myself. Achoo! It's like maybe 6 a.m. in the morning. And I, and I, I get up to the side, of the, at the side of the bed, and I'm sitting there at the side of the bed. I'm, okay, find one thing to be thankful for. Find one thing to be thankful for. What's there to be thankful for? It, at first, it was hard to even know what to be thankful for. But I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, and, and you know what? The first thing that came up to mind was, you know, God, thank you that I've got two hands that work. God, thank you that I've got clothes on my back. God, thank you that I've got food on the table. God, thank you that I've got a, a wife who, who's sitting here beside me, who loves me and puts up with so much of me. You know, God, thank you for my family that, that loves me unconditionally. Thank you, God, that you know, I have a job. I know it's not the highest paying job, but at least thank you that I have a job. You know, thank you, God, that you know, somehow in all this, you're writing a greater story. Thank you, God, that somehow in all this, you are in control. And the fact was that God would do some amazing things as a result of that season. We wouldn't have Thrive Church here today if it weren't for that season. But in that moment, you know what happened? was when I started to choose an attitude of gratitude, my circumstances didn't change, at least not at first. But you know what changed? It was my feelings toward the circumstances. It was my perspective toward the circumstances is that when I chose an attitude of gratitude, all of a sudden I started to enjoy life a lot more to the point when when it was time for us to leave and it wasn't one year, it was four years. At the end of four years, I didn't want to go anymore because I was just enjoying life despite the circumstances being still the way that they were. It was because my attitude changed. It's no wonder the Bible says it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 this way. Read it with me. What does it say? It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
See, if you have your Bible, you underline those words, give thanks in all circumstances. No, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. God doesn't expect you to give thanks for COVID-19 or for the suffering that takes place or for the inconveniences, but God tells us in every situation, there is still something to to give thanks for. In every situation, there's still something that you can say, that is good, and I'm thankful to God for that. Choose an attitude of gratitude. Notice also that 1 Thessalonians 5.18 doesn't say feel thankful in all circumstances. It says, give thanks. See, if you wait for that feeling of thankfulness to come, it will never come and you will never give thanks. But if you will choose an attitude of gratitude and say, you know what, regardless of the circumstances, I'm going to focus on the good. I'm going to focus not on what's wrong, but what's right about what I'm going through right now. I'm going to choose an attitude of gratitude. The feelings will follow you. See, could it be that the reason why you're so frustrated with life right now, could it be the reason why that you're having such a hard time in this season is not simply because your circumstances are tough. I know they're tough. Maybe you planned a wedding and and that had to go to the side because of COVID-19. Maybe you planned a trip and that had to go to the side because of COVID-19. Maybe you had all these things you were looking forward to, but they had to go to the side because of COVID-19. I'm not saying that life is not tough. I know it's tough. But could it be that the reason why you're having an extra tough time right now is not simply because the circumstances are tough. It's because you've been focused on all that's wrong instead of everything that's right. Could it be that you're so focused on what you don't have and what you're missing out on and what you used to have that you don't have right now such that you're just complaining and criticizing and dwelling on everything that's wrong? If that's you, can I make a suggestion? Choose an attitude of gratitude even in the hard times. That's what I'm trying to do. So instead of dwelling on how I can't get a haircut right now, I'm going to choose an attitude of gratitude and I'm going to thank God that at least I have hair that grows. Amen? Amen? And for those of you who might not have hair or wish you had more hair, we can pray for you at the end of the service or better yet, choose an attitude of gratitude and you can say, God, thank you that I don't need any hair to be this good looking. Amen? Amen. Choose an attitude of gratitude. See, don't let the hard times keep you from living life today. Instead, today, choose an attitude of gratitude, and you're going to find that life is still worth living, and there's hope for tomorrow. If you believe that, say amen. Would you turn to your neighbor online, and would you type in the chat room and say, life is still worth living? Life is still worth living. Turn to your neighbor who's sitting beside you. Tell them, life is still worth living. That's key number one to finding hope in hard times. Key number two, see the hard times as an opportunity to do good. When you're going through hard times, instead of seeing it as just another reason to complain, just another reason to criticize, just another reason to blame others, see the hard times as an opportunity to do something good. Look at Jeremiah 29 verse 7 with me. What does God say to the Israelites? He says this. He says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. See, in other words, God is saying to the Israelites what I believe that he's saying to us today is that if you want hope in hard times, don't just focus on you. Don't just focus on what you need, what you want, your needs, but think of the needs of others. Reach out and help someone else. Do good in the city where you are living right now because when you seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which you live, even in a hard time, you will prosper too. And when you focus on meeting real needs and making a positive difference in the people around you, you bring hope, not just to them, you actually bring hope to yourself as well. If you believe that, say amen. See, maybe the reason why you're so not enjoying life right now is because you're just focused on yourself. You're focused on your own survival. And 
rather than looking to see how God can use you to meet someone else's needs. Start doing that. Proverbs 11.25 says it this way. It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Here's this church here at Thrive. We've been trying to practice that principle, the idea that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed, practicing generosity even in a hard time. And so what we've done is over the past two weeks, we've been encouraging people here at Thrive Church to give to Backpack Buddies. Backpack Buddies is an amazing local charity here in greater Vancouver that exists to serve children who are living in poverty, who don't have food, don't have a meal for the weekend. Now that COVID-19 has hit, it's not just the weekend, it's during the week as well. And so having heard of this news, we thought we got to do something about this. And so Two weeks ago, I challenged Thrive Church, everyone here who's watching right now, we challenge you to say, hey, would you give and let's make it a goal. Let's make it a goal. Let's, let's, go, let's make a goal, $5,000. Let's give $5,000 to Backpack Buddies before or on April 12th. That's today, Easter Sunday. And, you know, we, we just gave out that challenge and praise God. I was overjoyed and overwhelmed by the result. We thought, you know, $5,000, that's a pretty big goal in a very short period of time. But you know what? We challenged the church to be generous because the generous will prosper. And guess how much we've raised up to this point? Up to this point, up till now, up till right now, we've raised not $5,000, not $6,000, not $7,000, not $8,000. We've so far raised $9,305. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Oh, come on, right where you're at, where you're at. Just give God a big shout in this place right now. Praise God, praise God. See, it's an amazing, so proud of our church for how you've been generous even in a difficult time. And in so doing, you're not just bringing hope to children, you're bringing hope to our city as well. Here's a message, in fact, from the founder, one of the co-founders of Backpack Buddies. Her name is Emily Ann, and here she is to thank, uh, thank you guys for your generosity. And so why don't you check it out right now? Hi, everyone. My name is Emily Ann, and I'm one of the co-founders of the Backpack Buddies program. First, I just want to thank you and your beautiful community for supporting our work during this time um, and ask that you please consider donating just $15 or more um, to support children in need right now. I know it's not easy to think about children going hungry in our community, but today uh, in particular, the need is greater than it's ever been with one in five children uh, living in food insecurity and that number is growing. Um, so if you are able to give, please consider doing so um, as today is the last day of the campaign through Thrive Church. Uh, and thank you again for everything that you all have done in your generosity. Happy Easter. Can we give God another big hand for that? That's amazing. That's incredible. So proud of you guys for going out of your way to give in this difficult time. And guess what? It's not too late to give. You know, just because we reached our goal of 5,000 and went almost double that, that doesn't mean that children stop being hungry. And so if you haven't given yet to our Backpack Buddies initiative or you've got more to give, can I encourage you to do so? What better way to bring hope to our city than to do that today? Encourage you to give. Turn your neighbor and say, don't be afraid to give. Don't be afraid to give. Finally, key number three to finding hope in hard times. Beware of false hope. Instead, put your hope in God. See, back in Jeremiah's time, false prophets and fortune tellers would go to these Israelites who are now held captive in Babylon. And he would say, they would say, you know what? Don't worry. Everything's going to go back to normal next month. Everything's going to go back to the way things used to be, you know, in just a really, really, really short time. And, and in fact, the people, the Israelites would even pay these false prophets and these fortune tellers to say things that they wanted to hear, even though they weren't true. 
And so God, he responds to all these false prophets with this. He says in Jeremiah 29, 8 to 10, read it with me. He says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. See, what is God saying to the Israelites? Well, first off, he's saying it's not going to be that quick. It's actually going to be 70 years. Oh, man, I really hope COVID-19 doesn't last 70 years, do you? I really, I, I don't think it will. Praise God, I don't think it will. But see, what is God saying to the Israelites? He's saying the same thing to us today. Instead of looking for a quick fix, instead of depending on a false hope, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And that's in fact what leads God to say the next thing in verse 11, which is, read it with me, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, speaking of guarding against false hope, speaking of learning to put your hope in God, I want to welcome right now a good friend of mine, called Tim. And the moment you see Tim on the stage, I think you're going to ask yourself, wow, who is this taller, smarter, better looking version of JB with nicer hair? You know, who, who is this guy? See, Tim is, let me tell you who he is. Tim is an amazing dad to two young sons. Tim is a great husband to his wife, Carmen. Tim also happens to be in the same small group as me here at church. And before moving here to Canada, back to Canada, Tim was the head of engineering underwriting in Asia for a global insurance company. And Tim is here to share his story with us today. Would you please join me in welcoming my good friend Tim as he shares his story with us today. Let's give him a big hand. Thank you, Pastor JB. Um, it's good to be here. Uh, my name is Tim. Um, I'm happy to be here to share my story with you. I was born in Hong Kong, and then uh, I came to Canada when I was a teenager. Um, I first heard about Jesus uh, when I was in elementary school, uh, but I didn't believe in God at the time. Uh, I only remember studying the Bible uh, in school for exams. And then I went to high school. Uh, six years of high school, it was a very stressful time for me. I, I moved a lot at that time, and uh, I attended four, four schools in uh, three different cities. Uh, it was a very stressful time, and I, I really struggled to adapt to all the changes around me. Uh, but I learned a few things. I learned to be self-reliant, and I learned that if I, if I trust my ability, I grind it out, I can overcome any obstacles. And then after high school, I went to uh, UBC for engineering um, program. And uh, after, after that, I, I got a job offer in Hong Kong, went back to Hong Kong. Uh, for, to, to start my career. And along the way, I met a lot of Christians. Um, I, I usually just ignore them. Uh, on one occasion, I argued with uh, two Christians about the existence of God. And I told them, I believe in science and logic. I don't believe in God. And then I, I, I proceeded to uh, elaborate on, on my points. They were, they were very kind. Uh, they didn't say much uh, in response. So um, I thought, Wow, I won the argument, didn't I? You know, I, I, I shut them up pretty good. So it felt really good. At the same time, uh, I had a colleague uh, in the office, and she started to share with me her faith journey as well. She uh, told me about how, why she believed in Jesus Christ and, um, and what kind of, how she experienced the power of God. 
And now, I really liked her. Um, she became my wife later, I mean, many years later. And since I liked her a lot, I, you know, I wasn't going to argue with her or ignore her. So I listened to everything that she, she said to me. And after a, a while, I began to wonder, you know, why, why do so many people spend so much time on me, try to, try to uh, talk to me about Jesus? I mean, they don't get anything. The only thing they get from me is rejection. What, um, what's, uh, what is the, I mean, and these people are not fools. They are not stupid. Why do they do that? Why do they spend so much time on me? So I started to wonder, did I miss anything? Uh, and what, is, what exactly is this Christianity anyway? So I started to do some research, um, read books and stuff. And, and then to my surprise and, and contrary to my uh, assumptions, I found that there's actually a very good rational um, reasons to believe that there is a God. And, then, and also Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again. And then my, my mind started to open up a bit. And uh, I knew that, you know, Christianity had some really strong uh, intellectual and rational ground. One day, uh, my colleague um, asked me to go to church to a, to a service. And I said, yes, I'll go. And um, I really don't remember the, uh, the message of that sermon at all. But I do remember that um, there was a guy who went up the stage uh, before the sermon and he shared his life journey, his faith journey. And in the middle of the, the sharing, he said, God is the answer. And that statement has a lot of power. It, it kind of stayed in my head for the rest of the service. It was almost like an invitation to me. Like, you've got a lot of problems, a lot of issues, a lot of questions about life. God is the answer. Come and see for yourself. And, after, and when, the, when the service was about to end, uh, the pastor uh, gave an invitation to anyone who was willing to uh, receive Jesus Christ. Now, I still had a lot of problems, a lot of questions I couldn't understand. But I knew that for sure, I am a sinner. That's no doubt about it. I am a sinner. And I, I do know that on a balance, believing in Jesus Christ and Christianity makes sense. So I responded to that invitation and also to the invitation in my head. And I went out and received Jesus Christ into my life that day. And that was 17 years ago. Now, I, since then, uh, every time I um, had any problem, run into any problem, be it the, a relationship problem or sins, struggling with sins and temptations, uh, I knew that God is the answer. But I, I have to admit that there are a lot of occasions where I, I fall back to uh, relying on myself and my ability. And I usually failed. Almost always I failed. And I've learned that from these experiences that I cannot, I cannot rely on the, my abilities, which are basically false hopes. But every time I, I, find, I would find the answer in the Word of God and also in persistent prayer, I learned that God is the real hope. And God's way is higher than my way. A couple of years ago, um, my father was diagnosed with uh, cancer, stage three cancer. And um, I, I, knew, I knew that I should come back to Vancouver. But to my surprise, I really struggled. You know, when I, when I was trying to make the decision to come back, and I struggled. Struggled to, left, to leave behind Hong Kong, to leave behind my, uh, I had a decent career in Hong Kong. Um, so I, I pray about it. I pray with my wife and also by myself for, for a long time. 
And one night I was、um, I was praying, and、uh, I felt that there was this very strong prompting from the Lord,、um, telling me, "Are you going to wait till your father reaches stage four cancer, and then you will make the decision to come back?" And right then and there, I knew I had to come back. And it was turns out to be one of the best decision I've ever made in my life. I couldn't have done it without Jesus.、Um, My father passed away six months after I returned, and I was able to spend time with him during his last years. And now, who would predict? Who would have predicted we have a pandemic now in 2020? I cannot imagine if my mother is living here in Vancouver alone during the pandemic lockout. But at the moment, my family is here together with my mom. It's really amazing. Through a relationship with Jesus Christ, I found peace and hope that atheism and self-reliance could never find. Praise the Lord! Can we give Tim another big hand? Let's thank him for sharing a story with us today. Thank you so much, Tim, for sharing about your journey, and I'm sure there's a big encouragement to a lot of people here. Today, we're talking about. How to find hope in hard times? I'm here to tell you: is don't go for false hope. Put your hope in God. And you know, when I hear the story that Tim was sharing with us today, I'm reminded of a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse eleven. Would you read it with me together right now? It's on the screen. It says this: It says, "He has planted eternity in the human heart." He has planted eternity in the human heart. What does that mean? It means that, in other words, each and every one of us has inside us a God-sized hole that only God can fill. Nothing else you can do will fill it. Maybe the reason why you're feeling hopeless these days is because you've been trying to fill the God-sized hole in your heart with something that is not God-sized. Maybe you think, "Oh, you know, if only I was married, or if only I wasn't married, or if only I had kids, or only if I didn't have kids, or if I had this person in my life, if I had that person, if I had that girl instead of this one, if I had this job instead of that one, then I would be happy. Then I would be at peace." Can I tell you, it's a false hope. Because here's the thing: you're not going to be satisfied until God fills the God-sized hole in your life, and until you put your hope in God, there will always be this lingering unsettledness in your life, this lack of peace. So, how do you let God fill the God-sized hole in your heart today? See, most people, whether they're religious or not, they believe that if you want God. If you want His love, if you want His favor, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to encounter enlightenment, if you want to, you know, be a god yourself, then it's all about what you have to do to earn your way there. It's about how, if you work hard enough, if you pray long enough, if you walk enough old people across the street, if you fast enough, if you are a good enough person, that you can present a really impressive resume to God, and God will look and go, "Wow, you are such a good person. Please come in." See, most people they have that kind of conception of what it means to get to God. But see, the Bible says so clearly that if we think we can get to God on our own merit, it's a false hope. It's that there's nothing you can do, nothing that I can do to earn our way there. I don't care how good you think you are. God is perfect, and we will never be perfect. The Bible even says the wages of sin is death. In other words, every single one of us we've sinned. Every single one of us we have done our own thing, turned our own way, said God, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do things the way I want. That is sin. 
And as a result of sin, it creates most of the hurt and suffering that is in this world. And see, here's the thing. The Bible says the wage of sin is death. In other words, all of us, because we've sinned, there's a consequence for that sin. And that consequence is that we can't have anything to do with God. Not now, not forever. What we deserve is to be apart from God. And that is spiritual death. The wages of sin is death. But because God loved us, because he didn't want to be apart from us, because he couldn't bear the idea of you being apart from him for eternity. He said, I'm going to send Jesus Christ to do what you and I could not do. Jesus Christ is going to come, my son, and he's going to live the life that only God in the flesh could live, meeting all of God's requirements. And then Jesus would die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. The death that we were supposed to die, Jesus took that on for us. And then to show that Jesus is no ordinary man, to show that what he was saying all along was true and that he is the son of God. Not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but on the third day, he rose again from the grave to show that death and sin have no hold over him. Jesus rose again. And see, putting our hope in what you do, it's a false hope. We can't get to God that way. Jesus says instead, put your hope in me. Don't put your hope in what you do, but put your hope in what Jesus has already done for you. Like Tim said, Jesus is the answer. See, on this Easter Sunday, I believe the biggest question God is asking you and me is what are you gonna put your hope in? In this season, on this day, what are you gonna put your hope in? Are you gonna put your hope in yourself and what you do, your ability to work things out and figure things out? Or are you gonna put your hope in Jesus and what Jesus has done for you? See, when you put in your hope in yourself, it's a false hope. It's not gonna get you to where you hope to be. But when you put your hope in Jesus, you have a hope that will not fail. You have a peace that the world cannot give. You know, many years ago, I made a similar decision to my friend Tim is that I went from being a skeptic who questioned everything about Christianity, the Bible, put my hope all in myself, and I went from that to becoming uh, someone who, after investigating these questions, finding, wow, there's actually really good reasons to believe in Jesus, I ended up inviting Jesus Christ to forgive me my sins. And as a way to express this hope that I found in Jesus, I took one of my favorite pop songs from the 1980s. Uh, It's the song, The Greatest Love of All made famous by Whitney Houston back in 1986. Have you heard that song before? The Greatest Love of All? Back in 1986, it was the number one song in Canada. It was the number one song in the U.S. It was the number number one song in in Australia, in other nations. And, you know, there's a part in that song where Whitney, in her beautiful voice, she sings, you know, uh, learning to love yourself. It is the greatest love of all. You know that? And, and, and I understand that, you know, where the song's coming from. I believe learning to love yourself is important. Embracing your worth is important. In fact, if you ever question your worth, if you ever question whether you matter at all, know that you matter to God. And all you have to do is look at the cross where Jesus died. The cross is proof positive that you matter to God. You matter so much to God that God was willing to sacrifice everything and even die on the cross just for the chance, not even the guarantee, just for the chance to be with you. That's how much God loves you. That's how much you matter to God. Would you turn to your neighbor in the chat room or beside you and tell them you matter to God? You matter to God. But see, when this song talks about the greatest love of all, I'm going to put it to you today that the greatest love of all is not you learning to love yourself. The greatest love of all is not love that comes from me back to me. That's not the greatest love of all. The greatest love of all is God's love for you and for me. Because God's love is a love that doesn't fail, 
even when we fail. God's love is a love that doesn't give up even when we want to give up. God's love is a love that gives us hope even in our hardest, hardest times. And so I took this song called Greatest Love of All. And in my own little way, I, I kind of changed some of the words around to make it more of an expression, not of loving myself, but, but the love that God made possible for me so that I could have hope. And uh, do you mind if I share the song with you today? Is that okay? I know, you know we don't have a full band, but we've got the amazing Rachel here to help me. And we're just going to sing the song. And maybe you know the song, but the words are a bit different. The song expresses the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I'm not Whitney Houston, but we're just going to do this the best we can. It goes like this. I will give you hope and a future. Teach you well, just let me lead the way. Show you all the beauty you possess inside. I'll give you the strength to fight, to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind you of who you are to me. Everybody's searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. I never found anyone who fulfilled my needs. It's an only place to be. Until I learned of your love for me I decided long ago Wherever you lead, Lord, I will follow And if I fail, if I succeed At least I'll have what I believe No matter what they take from me They can't take away your love from me Because the greatest Love of all is happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to receive. For us, it is the greatest love of all. So if you're in some hopeless place, you think you've had enough, just trust the Lord and seek His face. Find your strength in love. All right. Hey, praise God. See, what's the point in all this? What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say to you today is that if today you're looking to find hope in hard times, Jesus is your answer. That Jesus is the one you need. Because Jesus rose again from the grave. We have a hope that will not fail us. We have a peace that truly satisfies. We have a person we can trust. And if Jesus conquered the two biggest problems that you and I will ever face, sin and death. If he conquered our sin on the cross, 
And if he conquered death when he rose again, then how will he not help you conquer whatever challenge you are going through right now? How is God not greater than coronavirus? How is God not greater than COVID-19? How is Jesus not greater than relationship problems, than financial issues, than not having a job, losing a loved one? Jesus is greater because Jesus rose again. You have hope for tomorrow, knowing that because Jesus is alive, the best is yet to come. And how do you access that? How do you access that hope that doesn't fail? It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, have you received the gift of a relationship with Jesus from which this hope comes? See, receiving that gift is as simple as praying a prayer. And in just a minute, I want to lead you in praying that prayer because you're going to find this. You don't need to have uh, you know, a Christian background to pray this prayer. You don't have to come from, you know, any kind of church background. You might meet, you know, maybe come from a Buddhist background. You might come from uh, a Hindu background. You might not come from any sort of religious faith background at all. But the fact is this, you can pray this prayer because God makes this gift available to every single person, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what their background. You might think, oh, well, I'm not going to be a good Buddhist if I pray this prayer. Let me tell you this today. Jesus isn't here to give you a new religion. Jesus is here to give you a relationship, a relationship with God. And, you know, I, I, I tend to think really practically about stuff. And, and you, know, you might be here thinking, okay, so say I pray this prayer to ask Jesus to forgive me. What, what does that mean? Like, what, what does that look like? It, what, what does that mean for me? Let me tell you, there are some really practical things that will happen in your life when you ask Jesus to forgive you. Number one is when you ask Jesus to forgive you, what are you going to have? You're going to have the security of knowing that your sins are forgiven. You're not going to have to worry anymore. Oh, is my resume good enough before God? Because it's not about what you have to do. It's what Jesus has already done for you. And so you can rest in the security of knowing that you are a child of God whose sins are forgiven. That's the first practical benefit to praying a prayer to receive Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. The second practical benefit is that you have a peace that truly satisfies. You know, you have a God-sized hole in your heart. You invite Jesus to come. He fills that God-sized hole in your heart. It's a peace that truly satisfies. Number three is when you invite Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, what ends up happening is now you have a hope that is stronger than the grave. You have a hope that's not just for tomorrow. It's not just for now. It's for forever. And when you have that hope, you can stare in the face of every difficulty you go through and say, my God is greater. And so if you're here in this place today and you realize that you need this relationship, you need this forgiveness, this gift of knowing Jesus in your life, then I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God right now. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you're watching this service, I just want to give you a moment between you and God. And if you realize today that this message was for you and that you need forgiveness from God for sin, maybe it was something you said this morning, maybe it was something you did last night, maybe it was for a whole history of stuff in your life that you've kind of carried along with you, I'm here to tell you you don't have to carry that burden anymore because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven. You can trust not in what you've done. You can trust in what Jesus Christ has already done for you. And so if you're here and you need that gift, 
Would you just receive it right now? It's as simple as praying a prayer. Why don't you just lift your hand right now? If you realize that you need God's forgiveness today and you want to receive that gift, why don't you just lift your hand wherever you're watching the service? Maybe you're, you know, in your bedroom. Maybe you're, you know, at your desk. Maybe you're in the car. Wherever you're watching the service, just want you to lift your hand to God as an expression of your need for him today. Let the height of your hands reflect your sincerity. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need him today. And if you want to receive God's forgiveness today, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? You can say, Dear Jesus, Thank you for showing me today how to find hope even in my hardest times. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. Thank you for rising again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. Please come in, forgive me of my sins, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my hope not in myself, but I place my hope in you and what you've done for me. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer right now and you just, you meant that from your heart, then guess what? The Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. You're a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven and the best is yet to come. And so a huge congratulations to each and every one of you who prayed that prayer. And in fact, if you did pray that prayer, we just, we just click that button that's in front of you that says raise your hand. Just, just click that. And what we're going to do is we're, that's going to link you up to some resources that are going to encourage you and help you in this new discovered you know, journey with God. And it's just one of those no pressure kind of things where it's just going to give you some encouragement as you go into this new chapter of your life as you've received Jesus and have his forgiveness in your life. If, you know, maybe you don't see that raise your hand button there. You can text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770 and we'll send you the same link so you can link up to all those things that we want to give you. You even have a gift to give you just to say congratulations on receiving Jesus Christ and his forgiveness into your life. We're so happy for you right now as we celebrate on this amazing Easter Sunday. I'm going to ask Marcy and Rachel to lead us in a song. Let's sing to God today. Let's give God praise and worship from our hearts, knowing that because Jesus Christ died and rose again, that the best is yet to come. Let's sing this song to God. Let's respond to him in worship. Let's give our very best to him right now. Victory, all praise. 
watching this service would you give God a big hand and a big shout just give God praise in this place come on from your heart in your car in your room wherever you're watching this service right now would you shout so loud that even I can hear you in this place oh come on give God all your praise in this place today give God worship give Jesus your worship today I'm just gonna lead you in one more prayer and it's those of you who here on this Easter Sunday want to say Jesus you're my hope 
not myself, not my plans, not my abilities, not my experience, not my knowledge, but you are the one I'm going to put my hope in. Today, we're talking about finding hope in hard times. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is your hope in hard times. And so if you want to respond to God today, why don't you just lift your hand to God as well right now. And in your own words, from your heart, we just start talking to God. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need Him today. Let the height of your hands reflect you just giving God thanks and worship. Let's come to God with an attitude of gratitude today. And let's give God praise and worship for what He's done and who He is in our lives. That because Jesus Christ died and rose again, that everything is possible. The best is yet to come. And so from your heart, just start talking to God right now. Don't wait for me to stop talking. You just start talking to God. Here on this Easter Sunday, give God your thanks. Here on this Easter Sunday, give God your praise. Give God your worship. Say, God, my hope is in you. My hope is not in something else. My hope is not in someone else, but my hope is in you. Come on, just start talking to God in this place right now. Just give God your thanks. Give God your worship in this place. He loves you. He's listening. That's it. Just start talking to God. Start talking to God from your heart. Thank God today. Thank God for every blessing. Thank God today. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that you know the plans you have for every single person who's watching the service right now. Plans to prosper them and not to harm them. Plans to give them hope and a future. And so it's with that great plan in mind today that I pray for every single person here. Thank you, God, that you know everything about them, that you are working in their lives beyond what we can even see. Thank you, Jesus, that because you died and rose again, we have hope for tomorrow that we don't have to put our hope in ourselves. We don't have to put our hope in another person. We can place our hope in you, knowing that in all things you work for the good of those who love you, knowing that because Jesus Christ died and rose again, we can say the best is yet to come. And so with all that in mind, we give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you worship. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Oh, come on. Give God all of your praise. Easter Sunday. Give God your thanks. Amen. What an amazing time we've had with you here at the service. As we close off our service, just a couple of things we're going to do. First off, if you call Thrive Church your home church, or you just believe in the work that God is doing here, can I encourage you to give your faithful tithes, your generous offerings. We aren't in an on-site service where we can pass out offering bags and plates to you to give. We rely on you guys to give online. And so if you could go online and give to mythrive.info, and there you have all the info that you need to give, your faithful tithes, your generous offerings. Knowing that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. Not only does he add everything we need, but he also builds this church through us. And so let's give first to God, knowing that the best is yet to come. That's it for us here at our service. Right now, we're going to hand the time back to our online host, Raul. Have an awesome Easter weekend, everybody. God loves you. We love you. You're a beautiful church inside and out. We'll see you guys next Sunday for the beginning of a brand new series. Praise God. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Love you guys so much. We'll see you guys really soon. Take care, everybody. God bless you. All right. Thank you, Pastor JB. What a powerful message. If you were blessed by today's message, don't forget, let us know in the comment section below or in the chat box or even send us a private message. Either way, we would love to hear from you. Now, before I let you go, I do have a few short announcements. If this is your first time visiting us here at Thrive Church Online, don't forget, text me to 604-285-5770 and we will be mailing you a Thrive water bottle just for visiting us today. And for those of you who made the decision to receive Jesus into your lives, congratulations, don't forget. 
Text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. Start Church has prepared a very special gift pack for you with helpful videos on how to answer some of the questions you may be having about your new life with Jesus. Now, the best way to celebrate Easter is by giving generously, just like Jesus. So join me in partnering with Backpack Buddies to help kids in hunger in our Metro Vancouver community. Now, we especially want to welcome you back next Sunday as we begin a brand new message series called Exodus, Hope for a Hard Time. We will journey through the book of Exodus and learn important principles of how to maintain hope during times when we may feel helpless or without control. So let's learn what the Bible has to say about having hope during these hard times. We encourage you to join us for this series starting next Sunday, April 19th. So that's it for the announcements, guys. Have a great, blessed rest of your week, and thank you for stopping by. Also, don't forget to give your tithes and offerings. We'll see you back here next week at Thrive Church Online. My name's Raul. It's been a pleasure being your online host today. See you.